This is your host, Tia. This is your host, Tia. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Top 10. Why? And welcome back to another awesome episode of the Top 10 by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Tia, and today we are going to be talking about the Top 10 Moments from Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, I am in my home while doing this uh, podcast, but Peter Parker actually had a crazy adventure overseas very far from home, hence the name of the movie. I wonder what... The third movie will be Homesick, um, something like that. Who knows? They're keeping with a theme. But before I make even more of a fool out of myself, I have to introduce my awesome co-host for tonight, AJ. Thank you for joining us. It's been a while. Oh, goodness. <laughs> well, I've been super busy lately. This, literally this past week I've been very busy. I still got a, I still got mail out these and oh, what is this? Um, end game posters to Cannon and Ryan. I've just been working, and I, I don't even know what I'm going to talk about at this point, so I'm just going to wing it. So, <laughs> Yo, you called me back. And what? Ryan. <laughs> Dude, this, literally the guy whose food came to my house called me back. He's like, yo, keep it. I don't know. Fuck seamless. And I'm like, yeah, man, I already started eating this food, too, so I felt so bad. I'm like, oh, dude, fuck. Oh, well, well free food for me, okay. <laughs> That's how Ryan's night is going. But, Ryan, thank you for joining us amongst all of the food debacle. 23 buffalo wings, holy shit. Oh, man, I wish I was uh, in Ryan's position My right now. cheese right? <laughs> My dude, I'm living. The fuck? Am I Robert Downey Jr.? Is people just giving me food left and right? Shit, this is awesome. No, but uh, Tony Stark is not like things handed to him. Let's remember that. No, I made I made the good the deliver guy drop it in front of me. Fuck him. <laughs> anyway, guys, we are doing the Spider-Man Far From Home top ten moments, and I guess I should say before we go any further that obviously. There are going to be plenty of spoilers in this. If you haven't seen the movie, you should probably get on that. Um, and if you have like seen myself. the movie, please, <laughs> please stay and listen. Um, before I guess we go any further, I should say that Ryan actually did a, um, if I'm not mistaken, you did a Stardust uh, review of Far From Home. Am I correct? Oh, shit. I forgot I did that. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Were you drunk? Were you high? (laughs) Nah, man. Dude, Stardust is like so dead. I don't know how people get popular on it. Like, you can't do anything until it gets so popular. You just kind of have to pop up somewhere. Super weird. And that's what we're doing and what we're trying to do. Um, But, (laughs) uh, AJ, what did you think of Far From Home? Let's get some general thoughts before we get into the list. Oh, goodness. <laughs> All right, my overall thoughts um, for Far From Home is I, I think it's, what, it's the perfect Spider-Man movie of all time, mm-hmm. better than their, everybody's favorite, which is Spider-Man, Sam Raimi's Spider-Man 2. I think it's better than that. I think it's better than Homecoming. 
besides some parts. Um, I thought Homecoming was a little bit better, but overall, I thought Far From Home was better. Um, I love the acting. I, I think Tom Holland had his A game on. Jake Gyllenhaal did his best. And I love Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio. Mister, oh, my God, Mysterio. Mysterio. Um, uh, Zendaya, perfect as always. Um, love the action sequences. We finally get to see Spider-Man swinging while he's doing action moves and all of that. So I thought that was good. I love – I thought the CGI was a little iffy at points, but other than that, I thought – No, no, I have to agree with him. No, there was one – there was one shot that I didn't like, and that was the Iron Spider-Man suit, which I thought was, like, a little off. But other than that, I thought it was perfect. Um, the Mysterio – Huh? Sorry, I just have to say, I do agree with you there, AJ. There were a few moments that the CGI was a little iffy. Felt the same way about Captain Marvel. There was just some moments that just looked, looked a little too cartoony. Yeah. Two guys were For me, it felt like it wasn't... It wasn't like... It wasn't fully, like, developed. Um, For the... um, just It was just the Spider-Man, the Iron Spider suit that I thought it was off. But other than that, I love the illusions with Mysterio and Spider-Man. I thought those were, like, the darkest, greatest scenes out of the entire MCU. So I hope they do more of that. Um, yeah, so that's my overall thought. Nice, nice. Uh, Ryan, you want to give us some of your overall thoughts of uh, Spider-Man Far From Home? Before I give you my overall thoughts, these motherfuckers didn't put any – Tomato sauce in this shit. So those mozzarellas are going in the garbage. And second of all, second of all, dude, okay, so Spider-Man Far From Home is dead-ass the best Spider-Man film. Go at me, boys. I'm going to read you my list real quick. This can be a little controversial like the aerial cast thing. But here's here's my shit. And number eight is Amazing Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3, Amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man 1, Spider-Man 2, Homecoming, Spider-Verse, and then Far From Home. Yes, I put it higher than Spider-Verse. Don't you at me, AJ, because I already know you're getting your, your engine round up to yell at me for that. <laughs> I already know you're yelling at me. I already know you're yelling at me. But, dude, this movie was everything. I saw it for a second time. The first time I saw it was at, like, some really shitty, low-cost, nine $9 ticket movie theater in Colorado. And then when I came home, I saw it in IMAX, and dude, it in IMAX was fucking spectacular. Dude, the movie's so good. The post-credit scenes are like sex for 13-year-olds. I was just going to put it that way. It, dude, it's like the most filtered porno ever. It's just so good. Always very eloquent, Ryan. Um, but I think with that... <laughs> That is the perfect segue for us to just get into this list. So, AJ, I'm going to start with you. Give us your number uh, 10 for this. <laughs> yes, I'm going to start with you. It has been a while since you've been on here, so we're going to put you in the hot seat. Uh, um, oh, my God. Uh, I'm going to go with – Oh, my God. Uh, okay, I got it. I'm going to go with uh, – where I forgot the agent lady. Um, told Peter Parker to strip down and um, what's his name? I can't even remember his name anymore. 
Um, who was the one with the love triangle? I forgot the guy's name. Let's just say but the anyway. Asian dude because I don't remember his name either. Let's yeah. Anyway, dude. he um he goes in and just sees those two, and you see Peter just with his boxer shorts, and I just I just thought that was probably one of the funniest scenes out of the whole movie. Cause it just it just brought everything. I just love like the love triangle between Peter and um Zendaya's character MJ and the um. Other guy, I can't remember his name. I should. I feel embarrassed. That I don't. I love the love triangle, and he tried to use that to um, win over MJ so that Peter wouldn't get to MJ. Um, and at least, at least to an even funnier scene that I'm I'm going to mention later on, or someone else is going to mention later on. So you're going to say when uh, the other dude in the love triangle walks in on Peter Parker undressing in front of that. I want to say Russian-German lady. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that, I will say, that was a little uh, weird for me because when she was like, strip down your clothes, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I know Tom Holland is about, like, 22, but isn't Peter supposed to be, like, 16? I'm like, ah! But, um, yeah, so as you said, the other guy, which I don't remember his name either, uh, he clearly saw this as his opportunity to use it against him to win favor among MJ. And it obviously backfired in his face. You know, I won't say any further uh, scenes in case they're on your list. But, yeah, just... His name was Brad, by the way. Brad. Brad, okay, Brad. Yeah, Brad totally looked to sabotage Peter's chances with MJ, and that was just to him fuel uh, for the fire. Poor Peter, I felt like, I really thought that was going to come to be something else, that MJ really was going to find out about it, and she was going to, like, then uh, push Peter away. I was really hoping that it wouldn't go in that direction. I'm glad that it didn't. Um, but, yeah, that uh, definitely so poor okay. Peter, um, but it was the – Probably the least uh, worst situation for Peter in that movie, I will say. So, AJ, great way to start the list. Ryan, what did you think about, first of all, that scene and the whole love triangle conundrum? So, like, the the triangle thing felt really odd because of the whole blip where – I'm still trying to figure this out. So, they were 16 when they got snapped, right? And this guy, Brad, or fuck, damn, whatever his name is, is supposed to be at his, their age now. So I'm going to assume they were 16 when they got snapped and then 16, 16 when they came back. So you're telling me this guy was 11 when they were 16? Does, does no one feel awkward about that, knowing that they in their head they would be dating an 11-year-old and a 16-year-old's body? Wouldn't that be a little mentally challenging? I don't know because I feel a little, I mean, that's like almost – I don't want to say it, but that's like almost, I don't, I don't even know, but it's like, it's illegal. That's all I know. It's illegal at that point. And I don't know. I didn't really buy that he liked MJ. He just looked like that douche that went over the, went for those girls that were just completely fake. That would do too much makeup to make themselves seem better. Something like that. And we never really got to know why he like liked her other than, he likes her, which really makes no much too much sense. So I never really invested into a love triangle because at the end of the day, you know Peter's gonna get her no matter what happens. 
And I thought the scene was, I thought it was funny, but I'm, I'm just in my head like, yo, what are the fucking chances that this dude opens a house door and says it's a bathroom? What are the chances that he thinks a whole house is a fucking bathroom? I'm sorry. You, I, the second time I thought I made sure I like paid attention to this scene, the, where they go to change is a whole fucking house. And this dude just walks right in and say, like, oh, I thought this was a bathroom. Like, it was an excuse he was spying on this competition. Yes, I see that. I completely see that. He was def- And I do want to say from Ryan's point that I didn't see, like, really a connection between Brad and MJ. It almost seemed like he was more in it to have this competition with Peter. I don't know. That's how it felt like to me, at least. I mean, it was it was a semi funny scene. But other than that, it really didn't do much for me. I think it said more of Brad's character than anything else, because we saw that he wasn't like cool about it. He wasn't just like, oh, all right, you know, you're in Europe. I guess uh, you're trying to get. I mean, the kid looks like uh, a European dick anyway, so I already had that vibe. They didn't need to show me the scene to tell me he was a dick. He already looked <laughs> like a dick. I mean, did you not look at his haircut? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone with that haircut out there feels personally offended. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> but either way, I think that it's a good scene to talk about because certainly it's set up for a lot in that whole romance storyline throughout the movie that they made sure that they really want to touch upon. And I will say before we go to number nine, I liked MJ's character a lot more in this movie than I did in Homecoming. That's not to say that I disliked MJ in Homecoming. I just feel like we really got to see more of her personality and her character as opposed to her feeling a little one-dimensional in Homecoming. So I really liked Zendaya's portrayal of MJ in Far From Home, and I'm hoping that she definitely comes back for the third one. But um, moving on. Ryan, give us your number nine uh, pick for Far From Home. All right, boys. All right, boys. I'm saying it one more time for anyone that hasn't listened. Spoilers, because Daddy about to get into some spoilers right here. So if y'all don't want to know it, which you probably do, don't turn back. Like, listen, get spoiled. You know what? I shouldn't encourage that, but I do. Anyway, my the number – dude, it's hard to say number nine. Because I think I have, like, two or three spots. I don't fucking know. But anyway, I, I, the, their fucking kiss on the London clock. I think it's Clock Tower Bridge. You would think I would know this going there. I, I've been to London. I think it's, like, Clock Tower Bridge. Anyway, where the final battle happened, and after Peter defeated Quentin Beck, um, and Peter and Andre finally got that kiss, was anyone else, like, when they were – when he, she finally came out and told him that she knew he was Spider-Man, and she said, I was only watching you because I was curious. Did anyone actually, like, buy into that? I'm like, there's no way they're trying to trying to fucking fool us. There's no way no dumbass would believe that she was only watching him because she thought he was Spider-Man. Just going to say that. But it was such an awkward teen kiss that I, I actually screamed, like, screamed a little bit. I'm like, oh, no, don't kiss like that. They do, like, a little pet kiss. And then, yo, my son Peter, he goes French up in that bitch real fast. He's shoving his tongue in there. And I'm like, oh, dude, 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 dude. Relax. Relax. You're only 16. You're only 16. You ain't creating a porno with your mouth and her mouth. Relax. 
And then I thought it was such a good scene because I, I like Zendaya's MJ too. So. <laughs> yeah, I totally didn't buy that MJ was just looking at Peter because she believed that he was Spider-Man. I think that was definitely her way of deflecting. Uh, she was putting up a defense mechanism in that moment. She so liked Peter, and that was just completely obvious. I like that they did that little awkward kiss because they're teenagers and they are yeah, awkward. That's what I said. And both of them are awkward. And I think we got to see in Far From Home how awkward MJ really is, which is adorable. And Peter's mm. adorable with his like awkwardness. And I think that that was just really cute. Um, I love that he went to go give her the black Dahlia and it was broken, and she ended up liking it more because it was broken. You know, it's just really like, I don't know, their their romance is really nicely set up. I think pretty, uh, me personally, I think that their romance is set up better than, say, Tobey Maguire and uh, Kristen Dunst's romance in the original Spider-Man trilogy. Oh, so I, I really hate Kristen Dunst. I found her so annoying in the original. She was automatically the worst part of every single Spider-Man film. She's the reason why Spider-Man 3 was so bad. Fuck Venom, it was her. Honestly, and I'll say this really quickly, In I think it... So there was supposed to be a fourth one, and I remember that yeah, Kristen, Dunst, and all that shit. Kristen Dunst had said that she wasn't going to be in the fourth Spider-Man. And I, I know, I was so happy. I'm like, yeah. I was so happy with that, um, but then we just never got a fourth Spider-Man, so it is what it is. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> AJ's sitting there like, after the third one, after the third one, it was <laughs> it was dead. It was like, uh, you know, stop stop it, it's already dead, just stop. But um, AJ, what did you think about the Peter and MJ kiss at the end of the movie? I loved it. Um, like I mentioned earlier, this just shows how good Tom Holland is as Spider-Man. He plays Spider-Man perfectly. He plays Peter Parker perfectly. The awkwardness is just incredible. Um, Love Zendaya that matches um, Tom Holland's charisma and everything. Uh, I honestly thought that he would do the, I don't know why, this is probably just me, but I honestly wanted him to do the um, Spider-Man kiss um, when they did it in um, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. I really wanted that to happen, but that didn't happen. So, but that's fine. Um, I just thought that their chemistry throughout the whole movie, actually, I thought was well done. You, The awkward silence, the awkward conversation, everything was just awkward, awkward and you just felt like these two are perfect for each other. So I agree this deserves to be in the top ten. It definitely felt authentic. And, again, as I keep saying, they're teenagers, and it was just awkward, and it was adorable. So uh, great scene. Ryan, I'm going to hit the number eight spot. And I'm going to do – I actually have two uh, scenes that no, are all happening. No, tweeting. No, 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 no. I'm saying in, in my list. In my list, AJ, don't clock me here. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying I have two uh, in my list with Happy just because I really liked him in this movie. Not that I disliked him in other movies. It's just I 
we really got to see like his personality shine in this one. So it's going to be happy fighting uh, the drones with the children because I just thought that was hilarious. That scene, just seeing him with uh, it was Flash and and MJ and stuff, and they are in that like museum looking thing, just ready to fight against the, all those drones. And I love how they had their like little confessions. And Flash was talking about how he, you know, posts on social media all the time, and Happy saying that he was in love with MJ, uh, not MJ, well, in love with uh, Spider Man's aunt. I just thought that was so hilarious. Um, and I just really like that scene in general. I like that they gave moments to them to kind of show them in action. You know, obviously the main fight was between Peter and Mysterio. But, yeah, I really enjoyed that. It's definitely going to be my number eight slot um, before. Actually, this will be a good segue. Brittany, we have you uh, on the podcast, so welcome. The one and only Brittany. <laughs> Thank you for joining us well, today. What the fuck is my phone, I was man? Like, I'm going to kill these people. Sorry, Brittany. Like, Ryan's, having a, Ryan's having a moment with his food. Oh, oh okay. But well, I, I was like running and I was like, podcast, I want to talk people's ears off. So, yeah, I'm here, though. I made it. Well, we are happy that you did. Um, So I actually just did my number eight, which is happy with the kids fighting off the drones in that museum type thing. And I'm going to go to you to ask, you know, what did you think about that scene in Spider-Man Far From Home? I was going to say that was actually on my list of things, too. So I do really actually love it. But my love of it factors mostly in on Happy exclaiming, I'm in love with Spider-Man's hands! And just, like, everybody's staring at him, which I don't know how nobody else has figured out, not figured out that, you know, Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Because it's like, dude, you're running around with him. He has an aunt. It's kind of obvious. Well, it's definitely obvious at the end of the movie in that post-credits scene. Oh, but yeah. We'll, get to well, that there was that, too. There was that, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but um, that definitely made the scene, which is why it is on this list in the first place, because it was just hilarious. And, again, in the whole entire MCU, pretty much, we've seen Happy being very grumpy and gruff and to see him kind of be a little more uh, carefree and a little happier. Get it? Um, but yeah. I, I think that was really nice to see in this movie. So definitely had to give a little shout-out there. AJ, what did you think about this scene? And also the dynamic of Happy pretty much being the protector of children in this film. Uh, I, for Happy, he's been uh, this sounds really uh, weird. Iron, Iron Man. So um, I see him as that guardian. So I thought that was I thought that was a perfect scene for him to be in. Um, uh, I don't really know what to say other than that. Um, Wait, did anyone like, I just thought, like start like feeling it real quick when uh, after that one specific scene that I'm not going to mention just yet because I know it's on all of our lists when Happy picks up Peter and they and Peter just comes up and hugs him and Happy just he's like 
<sighs> he gets like, dude, I'm just like, oh, dude, fuck, don't, don't pull in my, my heartstrings like that, man. You already took Tony away from me. Don't kill, don't kill Happy now. You're gonna, you're gonna turn him sad. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes. Let me shut up. Oh my god. <laughs> Listen, yeah, I did think yeah, that there was yeah, a possibility of Happy getting killed in this movie. I could have seen it. Sorry, if that, AJ, go if ahead. that happened, I, I think I would have been pissed if that actually happened. I feel like Happy should just stay into the stay in the MCU until then. Just, yeah. I just want to say that. <laughs> um, but Ryan, what did you think about this scene? Did it, like, stand out to you at all, just having, like, you know, the kind of non-superheroes getting their moment to fight? I thought, I thought it was pretty fucking funny when uh, Happy takes the shield and throws out the door. He's like, how did Cap do it? How does Cap do it? Like, <laughs> my dude. My dude, just stop. Just stop. Please. Just stop. And the, the, I thought it was a pretty good scene. I thought it was played a little bit longer than they needed to. I could feel it the only person like that. Like, I felt that entire scene with them going back and forth between Peter and the happy group, that they kind of overplayed it a little too much, but not in a bad way. But it was definitely a really memorable scene. That I thought it was fucking hilarious. I'm in love with Spider-Man dance. Like, my dude. And to talk about how no one's figured out his identity, I thoroughly believe everybody in the fucking planet has the IQ of a fucking rock. I, I honestly believe that if no one's figured out that Peter's Spider-Man. Or well, Night Monkey, yeah. as they like to call him in Europe. And there's plenty of scenes that I'm sure we'll talk about where it was almost painfully obvious that Peter was Spider-Man and people just decided to have their heads in the sand, apparently. But, um, yeah, I thought that it was a memorable scene, just to kind of mention, I agree with you, Ryan, that it played a little longer than it needed to. Um, Happy throwing the shield was a definite funny nod to Captain America. Loved seeing Zendaya's MJ just pick up that spiky-looking mallet thing and go for it. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, And with that, we're going to pass along number seven, Brittany. Uh, you're going to get that spot now. So what's your number seven? <laughs> I was going to say really, really quick, what were the other ones so that oh, yeah. I know? Not to, yeah. So uh, number 10 was Brad, who is uh, Peter's nemesis apparently in the film because he was trying to get with Zendaya's MJ as well. Um, so it's Brad walking in on Peter Parker getting naked. Um, in front of that German woman. Uh, number nine is MJ and Peter's kiss at the end of the film. <coughs> Sorry. And obviously you heard mine. Uh, number eight was Happy fighting against the drones with the kids. So you're free to do number seven now. I was going to say, you throw back to Brad real quick, just because I thought it was hilarious, is that you have uh, you have Peter messing around with those glasses, trying to fully see what he can do with them and he's thinking oh no that she because i know that this did y'all mention about like him trying to kill him with the drone over it no we haven't gotten to that okay good because whenever he's like oh yeah you know he's a target and you think oh and then you know instantly you're like oh it's gonna go bad it's like his uh 
fighter suit where it was like instant kill mode and all those things come out of his back. Well, it's kind of like that with that where it's like, oh yeah, he's just going to uh, murder him and him having to deal with it and the goat. And I just thought it was great because it was very like, it was very in character for Spider-Man where nothing ever is taken too seriously. Like, even though, yeah, you have everybody about to die, it's still done in a humorous fashion. And I think that's kind of what I always enjoy about those movies is that I don't get overly stressed out, except this one stressed me out at the end. Um, so I'm glad that you actually mentioned this scene because when I said before that there were moments that were painfully obvious that Peter was Spider-Man, it was during this scene. He just happened. He just happens to distract them enough, like all the kids on the bus, that they can look away. And he jumps out from the ceiling of the van or truck or whatever bus, whatever it was, and does all this like shit. And the fact that like no one notices what's going on and they just think it's a complete fluke was beyond me. And it goes to what Ryan was saying that everyone seems to have a very low IQ in this freaking. Uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, because how they did not say, whoa, Peter, what the hell did you just do is beyond me. So, yes, thank you, Brittany, for uh, pointing <laughs> that out. <laughs> uh, AJ, what did you think about this, this scene and uh, apparently Peter unknowingly trying to kill Brad? I just, I, I love that scene because <laughs> you could just tell that Peter was was acting all nervous, and you actually see um, MJ look at Peter for a little bit, and I thought that was a good little touch to make her, like, think twice about what he's doing and all that, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Peter um, um, trying to take out Brad, well, not take out Brad, but trying to take out the message he was about to send to MJ, I thought was pretty funny, but I also agree with you, Tia, that it was kind of obvious that scene what made Peter. Oh my God, I cannot talk. It made <laughs> um, Peter seem like Spider-Man even more, and that that was a little off to me as well. But as a whole scene, I just thought the whole thing was hilarious, and I I enjoyed the whole the whole thing. So I agree with this point. I did get stressed out about that picture. I was like, oh, my God, Brad's really going to send that picture. It's going to be terrible. I kept thinking that MJ was eventually going to find out about that, and it was going to mess up chances between Peter and MJ, and we weren't going to get something maybe to, like, the very end with them reconciling or even, like, nothing at all until the next movie. So that did stress me out just a little. I'm glad that that picture never really surfaced after that. But, um, Ryan, what did you think about that scene? Oh, that, that shit was too ridiculous for me to believe. Him calling a drone strike on Brad and <laughs> no one noticing the drone, first of all, after him blowing it up. And him jumping out of the hatchet, dude, it, just, it blew me away. Not for the reasons you think. I'm just so amazed. For a school, for like a bunch of students that go to like such a scholarly school, they're all fucking idiots. They really are. <laughs> they're all stupid. They can't figure out the obvious fucking hint. Yeah, that was the thing that like 
stood out to me the most in that scene. Again, I'm not saying it's not a great scene. I was just <laughs> like, but as you said, Brittany, earlier, it really does attest to who Peter is because it was almost very much like that moment in Homecoming when, uh, shoot, what was her name? The AI? I'm forgetting what his suit's AI's Edith. name was. Edith. Even yeah, yeah, dead on the hero. <laughs> no, in, in Homecoming. Oh, it wasn't Mark. Edith. Mark. No, not oh, Mark. Um, no. <laughs> anyway, when he's, talk- you know when he's talking about. to her, you know what I'm talking about, and the AI is like, activate instant kill. And he's like, no, no, why would I want to do that? And uh, I feel like that moment with Brad and the drones and everything was very much a nod to that moment in Homecoming. So it was definitely hilarious. And I think should belong on this scene because, uh, on this scene, well, on this list, because we got to talk about then the ridiculousness of, no one catching on that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. So, great choice, Brittany. Uh, AJ, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry, Brittany. Oh, okay. I was like, must grab it before you go on. I was going to say really quick about that scene. Is it just me, or are those glasses, are, are they a throwback to Stanley with the way that they look? Because, like, the whole time I was watching, I was like, those look like Stanley's glasses that he always wore. Well, those glasses, I think, were more so because those are the same glasses that Tony Stark had been wearing, remember, in oh, yeah. um, Infinity War. Oh, I remember that. It's just to me that style looked like, and I didn't know if it was like even back then was a nod to him with the way that the glasses look because they're that older style. <laughs> Potentially they could have been. Um and I do have to interrupt the list for one second and ask, how did anyone actually notice that there was no Stanley cameo in Far From Home? Yes. Yeah. I actually didn't notice until yeah. the movie ended, and um, I went on Twitter, and people were talking about it. I'm like, holy shit, that's right. We literally didn't get a Stan Lee cameo, and it's just like now that I'm thinking about it, it's so incredibly strange um, that that didn't happen. So I feel like they need to pick someone else, I guess, to do cameos. Maybe it could be uh, Robert Downey Jr. Who knows? Um, but anyway, uh, AJ, what's your number six? Okay, uh, I'm just gonna go hard on this one. This one okay. is um, where Happy. And Peter talk. This is before. Um, this is after when they hugged. Is when they go on the plane and Happy explains that Peter is an Iron Man. Here's here's the quote. He says, "You're not Iron Man. You're never going to be Iron Man. Nobody can live up to Tony. Not even Tony. Tony was my best friend. He was he was a mess. He second guessed everything he did. He was all over the place. I just thought that quote by itself." just made the movie for me. Like, um, people always complain that Peter is going to be the next Iron Man or Iron Man Jr., but this quote by itself just shows that he is going to grow into something more, into his own man, into his own identity other than Tony Stark, but he will have hope from 
it's basically the stuff that's going on in, like, the comics where you know that Peter has help from Tony um, a little bit in the comics as well, but you know that he's still his own, he's still his own man, his own man. And I just felt like that quote just represented the whole movie, and I just, I just love that scene by itself. AJ, I have to say that that was on my list, too, as soon as you said. I was like, oh, but I'm happy that you got it. I'm so happy that you uh, threw that out there and that it, like, resonated with you as much as it resonated with me because I, I felt that was so incredibly poignant for Happy to point that out because, you know, Peter just knew Tony um, and in the later years of the MCU and looked up to him. Obviously, this is his idol, someone who has, you know, very much been in the superhero game for a while, established with the Avengers, and really just his idol. But I love that Happy pointed that out, because if we remember pretty much every Iron Man movie, it's very much there. He was a mess. He was all over the place. He made uh, bad decisions. He needed the help of people like Pepper and happy to kind of help him out and for him to point that out to Peter like you know Tony wasn't this um you know per, he was flawed for don't think that he's not he wasn't flawed and he had to find his own way becoming a superhero just just like you have to find your own way so I love that. I love that you found the quote to actually say it on this podcast. And I just really think that was a fantastic scene altogether. Um, I could tear up just thinking about it. But, um, Brittany, what did you think about that scene between Happy and Peter? I found it very, very touching. And it's kind of like, you know, he is his own man. But Tony, you know, with him not having a father figure, it was like Tony was like his dad, and he lost that. And, and you know, and people would be like, well, you didn't know him very long. And it's like, but he had such an impact on him, especially as a hero, and he always believed in him. And, you know, and he's like constantly living in the shadow that he's basically created for himself, and he just wants to live up to Tony and all that aspect. But it's like he's still he's basically like Tony's kid. Cause you see happy look at him as he has like, uh, as he's going through and he's doing the exact same things Tony did with like, you no, know, the zooming in. Fucking dog. but you know, it's them like zooming in on stuff and just like, you know, messing with the holograms. And it was like, and happy was just so, you know, happy just to look at him and he sees Tony and him. So, so I was just like, Oh, Oh, I gotta go over here and watch the Iron Man movies now <laughs> and pretend he's not dead. And it is nice that Spider Man came up with his own suit, um, and it wasn't the Iron Man suit, um, the Iron Spider suit. Even though I did really like that one, it kind of strayed away to say that he is his own hero, and I did really like that. Peter's not a dumb kid; he's incredibly smart, and so seeing him work with the technology similar to how Tony even designed his uh, first suit when he came back from being held hostage overseas, was just amazing. So really love this scene, and I'm really happy that it's on the list. Um, Ryan, what did you think about that scene between Happy and Peter? 
stood up in a full crowded theater. I pointed at Happy and I screamed, I love you 2,999. I sat down and the crowd fucking cheered me on. And I said, Happy fucking Hogan. You make me happy when you make me a fucking hoagie. And then the crowd proceeded to clap even more. And then I said, this is a great scene, everybody. Bro, this is the new Tony Stark to him. And he's going to be Spider-Man's new uncle. Guarantee it. Because him and they both. But that's besides the point. No, it's such a good scene. And I love it, dude. The speech where the part when he says, you are not Spider-Man. He was, fuck, he is Spider-Man. You are not Iron Man. You would never be Iron Man. No one will ever be Iron Man. Only Tony was Iron Man. And even Tony can't be uh, being Iron Man. And I'm like, yo, my son? Fuck, dude. You're making me sad, bro. You're supposed to make me happy, but you're making me sad. But you're right. You're right. And I'm just like, you know what? I'll, I'll bring you up to 3000 so I love you 3000 not 2999 Such a good scene. Really fucking salted. And it was after, like, one of the most devastating scenes in the movie, too, so it even heavier and harder. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was just one of those scenes that, you know, you always have to have that touching scene in these movies, especially with Spider-Man, because he is so young. He needs people to guide him, and he really needed Happy to say all those things to him so that he could become his own and transform. And I loved it. So much. Um, I really need to go back and actually watch Far From Home. I've actually only watched it once, so definitely need to go back to the movies and see it again just to like absorb it. Uh, now knowing everything that I know, but uh, AJ, really great scene. Really happy that you called it out there, Ryan. I'm going to shoot over to you to give us the number five. All right. I don't know how many of you will actually choose this scene. I'm sorry if it's is higher on your list, but I really want to make sure it gets on this. Um, the Mysterio reveal scene. Uh, obviously, we all knew it was coming. We just didn't know when. Did you guys know the movie's two hours long, and the reveal doesn't come until an hour in? And I'm just like, dude, holy shit, that's fucking long. I, I just realized that. Anyway, not the point. Dude, it was such a good fucking scene how Peter puts this thing in his head that Tony was never talking about him being the next Iron Man or him being trusted with Edith and that he trusted Peter to giving Edith to someone else instead of himself going back and forth. And at that point is when I said, oh, okay, this, this is where he turns. And as soon as Peter left the bar, Jake Gyllenhaal goes from Brokeback Mountain straight to fucking Nightcrawler type acting. And I loved it, man. As soon as everything started getting uncovered, that mysterious, mischievous laugh he did, he's like, we did it, guys. Y'all, dude, that shit gave me, I'm like, oh, boy. You know, this is like some next level shit because, dude, Jake Gyllenhaal was fucking awesome. And then the whole, I'm I'm not going to get into how he kind of flew to give Peter that little pep talk after Talos fucking yelled at him. You know that, that scene they released before the movie came out where he's like, um, Fury wanted me to come up here and talk to you. He felt bad and all that shit. I still don't know how he actually did that 
in practical terms, if he was never able to fly and every time he was flying it was a hologram, I don't know, it doesn't make too much sense, but it's whatever. But it was such a good scene, and then them pinpointing different Iron Man movies and from what the characters are from, like the guy that Obadiah Stained yelled at from the first one is back helping him. And then it turns out Quentin Beck really created Barf, and he hated that Tony shit on his work and called it Barf. It was just such a great scene, and oh, I fucking loved it. I'm really glad, Ryan, that you made the, um, whatchamacallit, the comparison to that Nightcrawler acting, because that's exactly what it was. Like, that is mm-hmm. what I'm Jake Gyllenhaal. Because you knew it was coming. You knew that eventually the reveal has to happen. And as soon as Peter gave him those glasses, I was like, oh, Peter, what did you do? Um, and then I love that you almost saw that, uh, Mysterio, like, holding out his hands, like, as if, like, waiting to kind of breathe, almost, and for it to slowly change, and the, all the, the, the bar started disintegrating, and then him, like, just kind of looking back with that, like, shit-eating grin, and he's like, I told you it wasn't going to be that hard to get the glasses, and I was like, holy shit, I was like, this man is effing psychotic, I mean, uh, and then he's, like, yelling at, not yelling, but he's, like, telling one of the, the people, like, take this stupid costume off of me, and, oh, just very much the man behind the curtain type of thing, it was just really good, I mean, it, you know, and as you said, Ryan, that reveal didn't happen until, like, halfway into the movie, I mean, they held on to the idea of Mysterio, being, like, the good guy for a while. Um, I kind of, like, saw little parts of his mood shifting a little earlier. I told this to Brittany at some point that when, that one thing, I'm not going to get too off topic, but that one scene where it's the second time that Peter is talking to Mysterio, and he's like, uh, Quentin Beck, and he quickly goes, it's Mysterio, but then kind of, like, looks at Peter like, oh, just joking, but it's like, you've got those, like, small little nods that there was something a little unhinged about this guy. But not the point at this moment. It was a really good scene, that reveal. Um, definitely was holding my breath and completely just in awe of Jake Gyllenhaal's fantastic acting. So great scene here. Brittany, what did you think uh, during that scene? I think it was great because... Whenever I was sitting there, I found myself, like, so enamored by Mysterio. And, like, even though, like, you know, we, we had known he was a bad guy, I sat there and I was like, man, his powers are so cool. He really would just be, if he actually was a hero, he'd be awesome. You know, and you're like, oh, these things are cool and multiverse ideas. I was like, oh, he's so cool, but I'm like, oh, he's going to be a villain. And I thought oh, you know, maybe when he's the villain, you know, when he makes a switch, maybe he will be, you know, not as bad as I'm thinking. But, like, in that scene, just, like, how he flipped, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, he's nothing like how he was. Like, there is, like, no reminiscence. Like, there's that playfulness, but there's none of that, oh, I'm a suave hero. And as you said, it's like, whenever he's, like, 
almost like has his hands held out like waiting for Peter to go away and it just fade away and everybody slowly looks at him and he's just like we did it and I was like okay this kind of like silly like in a good way but I was like this also freaking terrifying because of like how quick the switch was where I was like if these two people met each other they wouldn't want anything to do with each other and like for me when you said like when he's taking the costume he's like get the stupid thing off of me I was like oh oh it's all bad it's all bad he's an awful person there is no good in him (laughs) no it was just it was really good to see that like flip almost and I have to say the memes that came out of that were hilarious there was all these memes that it's like Mysterio and the team when they uh finally get the glasses and it's like you know just like crowds just cheering and shit like that and jumping around and oh my god it was just so funny but yeah that scene was absolutely fantastic and it was interesting to see that it wasn't just him and his, like, evil master plan. He had all these people who were scorned by Tony Stark in the past just teaming up and just enacting this elaborate plan to pretty much, you know, try to be the hero while also being awful human beings. But, yeah, um, AJ, I don't mean to take away from you. Tell me what you thought during that scene. (laughs) All right, well, I'm going to be negative for, like, two seconds. Um, oh first off, I, I, love this scene. I love this scene with the passion, but with all that, it pisses me off so much because I honestly didn't like Mysterio as a villain as much as um, Vulture and Homecoming. Now, that being said, Jake Gyllenhaal performance, like you guys all said, was perfection. The switch between how, uh, when Peter left and then after, I just, that instant switch, he just, I actually got chills when that happened. I was like, I even though I saw it happen, it still gave me chills. That's how incredible Jake Gyllenhaal is. Um, it also pissed me off that <laughs> even though I saw this happen, it still pissed me off that he lied to Peter because throughout the whole movie, you can tell, or uh, yeah, you can tell that he actually cared for Peter, or he gave the illusion that he cared for Peter, and everybody felt for it. Even um, quote unquote Nick Fury. Um, I, it, and then once this is after uh, when once um, Peter figured out that Mysterio was lying to him, it just. It literally broke my it broke my heart. So just seeing that whole scene come together, it it was incredible. I also want to do like um talk about the backstory a little bit where he like gave everybody his backstory and it all revolved revolved around um Tony Stark and previous movies from Iron Man and all. I thought it was all incredible. It was well done. But like I said earlier, it pissed me off because I didn't like Mysterio as much as Vulture because of his reason on why he's doing it. But other than that, I just love the entire scene. I will say that I think that um, the – I think, like, one of the scenes earlier before 
that this scene did go on a little longer than it needed to, but I did also like that he took the time to explain why all of them were there, because it wasn't just, hey, you're all my henchmen, um, and I'm the one with the evil master plan. It was like, no, explain that they all had gripes against Tony Stark, and that's why they were all teaming together to work together. And I did think that Quentin Beck did like Peter just a little. Um, I think that maybe that was just a tad authentic there. And But, yeah, I mean, poor Peter. He was so trusting. He really liked it, Quentin. I mean, obviously, he gave him the glasses. He gave him that big speech. He was like, welcome to the Avengers. And just, I mean, that absolute portrayal was um, – it, it was it – was, you felt really bad for Peter, even though you saw it coming. I will say that it was like in the Punisher series when Frank Castle finds out about Billy Russo. Obviously, we as the viewers knew about it, but you knew that shit hurt. It was like to that level because that shit hurt with Peter. So I felt really bad for him. Um, and I was like, God damn it, Quentin. It hurting children here, man. And we got to say really quick that Quentin was willing to kill kids, and that is a big no-no. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> a big no-no. A big no-no. He was. He was like, oh, I'm going to have to kill some kids now. And I was just like, oh, my God. Um, <laughs> it went dark real quick in that movie. It was, right? I mean, that was – I think that's one of the reasons why I liked Far From Home more than Homecoming, even though Homecoming did have – it's emotional scenes and it's like serious scenes. It was overall more lighthearted than Far From Home because Far From Home got dark really quick and it started all with that pretty much. So I think that's a great scene. It definitely needs to be on the list because it's a, a pivotal uh, moment in the movie. So great job. Um, I'm going to hit the number four. This scene probably is on other people's list. It probably should be a little higher, but this is my last uh, my last pick for the list, so I'm going to put it down anyway. Um, I'm going to talk about the Mysterio and Spider-Man fight scene on that bridge at the end. Oh, I, I'm, doing it, I'm doing it um, at the end of the movie because I just thought that was badass. I said... Um, and I said this during our review show, and I know that Juwan was like, it's not a hallway team. I'm like, I don't care that it's not technically a hallway. Daredevil would have been proud of that freaking uh, <laughs> fight scene because that was, like, to that level. It was so badass. I mean, Peter, like, and he's always been, like, a good, you know, acrobatic fighter and shit like that. But, I mean, it was, like, he was, like, fighting hard. He was going at it. That shit was so good. Um, I got, like, chills and shit, and I'm sure that other people are going to talk about the other big scenes, so I'm not going to really mention it. Oh, I am. But that was great. But this was like, oh, my God, Peter is, like, really just going hard at this shit. It was so good. It was so intense. It was so fast-paced. It was um, action-packed. It really just – I was, like, sitting at the edge of my seat the entire time because it was that good. Um, And I loved all of that. And I especially loved at the end of that scene where you thought like one shit was happening and it was like that final, um, uh, whatchamacallit, that that final, I can't even talk right now, but that final like illusion that Mysterio 
did where he was like behind Peter with a gun and Peter just freaking like ninja'd him to make sure that he caught it. And that that whole thing was good. I loved every single freaking moment of it. Um, but yeah, I just that has to absolutely be on the scene just because it was just intense as shit. So um, yeah, that is uh, my pick for number four. Ryan, do you have a moment that you can uh, comment on that before you head out? All right, I think Ryan has gone, and we no, also, I'm, here, so I'm having a hard uh, time with Grubhub right now. I'm having a hard time. These bitches don't want to give me my money back for an order they never delivered. So you know I'm I'm pulling up on Punisher in the nasty. I'm going to pull, pull John Burnsall on that. No, no, but, <laughs> Yeah, you took, for a minute, I thought the scene you were going to choose was the the scene with the first fight. I got mad because no, I no. wanted to say something about that. I wanted it to be higher. So I'm glad you said this one. Honestly, I wasn't too impressed with the final action piece. It was kind of just a bunch of endless drones, which made no sense. Uh, it seemed like you had very limited amounts, and when it came to the end, it's just like, oh, you need more drones? Let's just keep sending them in until you stop Mysterio. So it just seemed like an, a video game at that point a little bit. And it, it was really cool action, but it was just like, it was kind of bland because it was just a bunch of mindless drones almost. You know what I mean? And Peter got his ass kicked, don't get me wrong. And he outplayed them. But I think it was the whole fact that they never stopped coming is really what fucked with me because that really wouldn't happen. And I don't under understand. Please get me wrong if this is wrong. So before they first fight, right, before they first fight um, the first time, after he gets hit by the train, when he goes to talk to Nick Fury in that headquarter building that turns out to be an illusion, was Nick Fury also an illusion too? Because I could have sworn he was not an illusion. I think was he, he was an illusion. illusion. He was an illusion. He was? Yeah. Yeah, because I, that's I, how Nick Fury didn't know at the until the very end and Happy had to do that coded message to the him. The first time I saw it, I'm just like, bro, are you just acting like you don't know what's wrong? I'm like, did you not just get your ass handed to you or something? <laughs> but that's besides the point. But, like, the, the whole last fight was kind of bland to me, but it, I thought it was visually and styly. Really, really good. Well, I absolutely loved it, but I respect your opinion on the matter. Um, but Brittany, why don't you tell me what you think about uh, my uh, what number am I? My number four pick. You're like I respect your opinion on that, but Brittany, your opinion is better. <laughs> I know, no, I know. No, I'm no, just, no, I'm no. just joking. <laughs> I just tease it. No. Um, I did really, I did really like it because I was like, uh, the entire time throughout the movie, uh, me and the person I saw it with were just staring there, and we're like, can't he use his spider senses? Can't he use his spider senses? So finally, at the end, when he's like using his Peter Tingle, uh, I uh, I loved it because I was like, oh, he's finally done it. He's finally done it. And I was gonna say, um, at the end. I was very convinced that because you saw him get shot and I was like, oh, he's still on the ground. I was like, well, what else is going to happen? And and so for me, it 
the scene where it's all an illusion right to the very end was very like shocking like to me I was like oh my god I didn't see that happening like I was very taken off guard but when I heard the gunshot I was like oh no something happened Peter got hurt and then it's like no it's him it's just him being an asshole but I thought it was very well done I love that you heard the gunshot before everything else to me that was just like to me it was like such an assault on the senses um, because it really did mess with you. And I absolutely loved, and I had to have to mention because, you know, we talked a little bit about how Mysterio was just so unhinged during this movie. And that really just, you know, like when he was about to uh, set the drones on Peter and they were like, well, you're in the, the, you're in the way pretty much. And if this happens, you're going to get hurt as well. And he's like, I don't care. Just go for it. And it's like, whoa, like this guy is just like insane, like at that level where he's just that intense. And it's just, you know, the whole thing was just absolutely, it was just so much to me. Um, And that fight scene at the end was just so good. And as you said, Brittany, used his Peter tingle and that's why I say that it really stood out to me just how intense it was and how I just felt um in that moment that Peter was fighting like an adult really like he was fighting like that he knew how serious this was and there was no more playing games there was no more room for him to kind of be um jokey around or anything like that so I I absolutely effing loved it, Brittany, um, and I'm going to continue loving it, but uh, why, don't you, why don't you hit the number three spot um, and let us know what you're picking. <laughs> I was going to say, since the lineup is kind of changing and stuff, I'll, I'll leave the other things so it can be higher, because I, I feel like that should be a thing that at the end we should be able to reorganize them into like what we think because we're always like waiting because you know we're like oh I want to make sure it's there and then it ends up like at the back and I'm like oh no so I was gonna say for this one um I'm gonna go with just like the whole beginning of like the uh trying to get overseas because it's like one you got uh Aunt May like, oh, you forgot your suit, and the lady just opening it up in customs and just like, I can't remember what he wasn't allowed to have. It was like a bottle of something, but like completely ignores the spider suit, which goes back to everybody in that universe being dumb and not realizing it's him. Completely ignores it. And then you have, like, the, uh, when they're on, actually on the plane, and, you know, and it's like, oh, he's allergic to perfume. And it's like, oh, well, I guess we got to change. And that begins the Brad situation. Because at the beginning, you're like, oh, okay, he's not going to be a problem. And then you're like, oh, no, he's going to be a problem. So uh, I also liked it because uh, what's what's his friend's name? Uh, Ned. His friend. Ned. And then Ned ends up getting set with that one girl and they end up like hitting it off and they're just like, Oh, we're in love and he's like, When I got on there first I was a boy, but now I'm a man <laughs> I was like 
Jeez. So, like, for me, it just really set the tone of what the movie would be. So, I know it's kind of, like, broad, but I just very much enjoyed, like, the whole of trying to get over there. Like, because it set up well for what we could expect. Brittany, when you said that voice and that line, all I thought about was Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. Oh, which oh, oh, one? <laughs> Um, uh, you know, you think you've seen darkness. I've known darkness. I did not Oh, like no. <laughs> oh, Ned no. Well, I do love Bane. I, I was channeling him. I feel like Ned was channeling uh, Bane a little there, you know? Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I did love that because when... You know, they had had that in a TV spot, right, before the movie had even come out. And I thought that was going to be one of those things that they weren't actually going to show in the movie. Because, um, by the way, I should announce to the listeners that it's just Brittany and I. We have lost the two men on our podcast. Um, so it's just going to be you and me, which is perfectly Girl, fine. Rule. Oh my God, where was I even going with this? I don't know if you noticed that there was the one scene in one of the trailers where Fireman was fighting off these people in his like iron spidey suit and he like tells the police that he had got to go on vacation and they never included that in the actual movie. So I thought it was going to be one of those things where they showed the person at the airport seeing his Fireman suit in the suitcase but not actually put that in the movie, but it did, it did, and um, I think that almost goes to show that maybe Europeans just don't care, and they're like, whatever, <laughs> like, yeah. you, yeah. you're running around in a costume, uh, probably for some stupid cosplay or something like that, not saying cosplay is stupid, we cosplay, but I'm saying that's what she probably thought in that moment, um, and it was just uh one of the, it was something else, yeah, as you said, like, whatever it actually was, but Aunt May just was trying to be a really good aunt, and she was like, just in case you need it, which, I mean, he did need it, but then he didn't, oh, that was hilarious, by the way, that was hilarious that the way they included the black night suit, um, night monkey, and, <laughs> night monkey. <laughs> and it was all like how he said that, oh, you, no one can recognize me in Europe, they'll put two to two and two together. I'm like, really? That's the two and two that they're going to put together? Is that? Um, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which, I have an interesting parallel to make real quick, though. It's because I sat there and I was like, oh, he only has his regular spider suit. Why didn't he take his nano suit? And I felt like it really went back to, like, how it's like, if Tony didn't have the suit, it's like, oh, what, he can't do anything? It's like, no, he's still, you you can take away the suit and he's still the uh, billionaire philanthropist. But, um, <laughs> but, because I found myself like, oh, no, he just has this regular suit. But then you remember, you're like, oh, he's fine. He was fine before that. He's more than just the suit. And Tony was more than just the suit. And I was just like, oh, my Tony fills are coming back. Um, this movie, Far From Home, which I don't know if you knew, Brittany, is the last movie in the Phase 3. It wasn't Endgame. It was this movie. So after this, we will now be approaching Phase 4. And I felt it was a really good ending for it because it had so many callbacks to 
the past, like, 20-something movies that we've had. You had, obviously, all of the Iron Man theme. You had some Captain America. You had, you know, Doctor Strange got mentioned, Thor, Captain Marvel. You had all of these little things um, that called back to all of that, which I think after this they're going to kind of maybe start fresh. You know, obviously yeah. we're still getting, we're still getting Black Panther, we're still getting Doctor Strange, we're still getting Captain Marvel, Thor, Guardians, whatever. But I think now this is, I don't think that the next movies are going to take care to really mention Endgame because they've already done that in Far From Home. Obviously, we're going to see things shift around, but this really was just the perfect ending because it really just felt like it was in that. Spectrum. So, I guess that's really all I have to say. I know I went on a million different tangents there, but I did really like this pick because we got to see this. Aunt May is just awesome. She's such a good character. I love that they made her like younger in the MCU, just because it, you know, not to say that the Aunt Mays of the past didn't do anything, but she really felt more involved. Does that make sense? She felt more relatable. She felt more fun. Instead of just, like, and nothing against, like, Aunt May from, like, you know, the Spider-Man we grew up with, but she was an old lady. She was fro. She was more of, like, a grandmother role instead of an aunt. Right. And this is an aunt who was more active in raising Peter. And the Peter that this MCU is, she knows that he's Spider-Man. She has involvement with this. And I just really like that. And I absolutely loved her and Happy's relationship. I really hope that uh, it, I, I want to kind of believe that it continues, even though she's like, oh, it's just a fling. I'm hoping that that continues further because Happy deserves <laughs> to be happy. <laughs> I, know, I know. We're all sitting there. We're like, oh, Happy. Oh, Happy. I know. Poor guy. Seriously. But, um, all right, so I guess since the lineup has changed, you and I are both going to go one more time. Um, I'm going to leave the number one spot for you to talk about that scene that we are. I feel like it's almost like Voldemort. Voldemort, he who shall not be named. <laughs> thanks, uh, baby. Thanks for leaving the good part for me. <laughs> But I'm going to hit the number two, and I'm going to talk about the mid credit scene because it has to be talked about. Um, I know. So, so you have Peter, who is showing MJ his swinging abilities, which I thought was hilarious because it was so realistic. It wasn't one of those things where in the past where uh, Spider-Man's holding the girl and they're swinging throughout the city and they're all like googly-eyed and in awe. It was MJ absolutely terrified for her life. And I was like, that's very real because I, first of all, I would have never asked him to do that. I would have been like, no, I'm perfectly fine on the ground. That's why you wear the Spider-Man suit and I wear the normal clothing. But yeah. just, but so I love that, first of all. I thought that that was a really funny – it just – this is why this Spider-Man is so far set apart from all the other ones. But anyway, I digress. And I loved that suddenly it was like a report from the Daily Bugle And first of all, that we have J.K. Simmons back reprising his role from the first 
freaking trilogy of Spider-Man. I thought that was great. Um, I know that in our review uh, show, Juwan kind of questioned that a little to say they didn't set up so much for it, and that's no shade towards Juwan. Love you. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think it needed a setup. I thought it was a perfect Easter egg just as it was to me. I was like, you know, we all love that character, uh, Jay Jonas Jameson from the first Tobey Maguire movies. And to see him come back, that's hilarious. I mean, and, and Juwan pointed out that it had been done, like, previously, like, in the beginning of the MCU, um, and I forget what the example was, but for that, it's, like, that was hilarious to me. I'm, like, oh, my God, like, what does that mean? Are there actual ties? But probably not. It was just more so an Easter egg. But I love that they got him to come in and reprise his role. That shit was awesome to me. He was um, made for that role. Like, it he was, he was. anyone. And, like, the comics, everything. And he even looks like him. He looks like the TV show. Remember the old Spider-Man that you'd watch when you were little with, like, Spider-Man is where all the memes come from of him pointing mm-hmm. at the other Spider-Man. And he looks just like him. He looks like Jonah Janus, but And I was just, like, I was very excited. I'm sorry that I cut in so excitedly. I'm just, I love him. No, I love that. I mean, all the memes of, you know, him staring and then laughing, you know, hilariously. I mean, he is a meme king. We, like, just, it's absolutely perfect. I love that whole thing. My theater went absolutely nuts when that happened. Um, it was great. But so the main point of this mid-credit scene was that you have Mysterio with that video, which, you know, Mysterio just constantly pulling out the tricks, man, even in death pulling out the tricks, um, and you're sitting there, and you're on edge, and he's like, Spider-Man is, and it cuts off, and you're like, oh, shit, thank God, and then it's like, Peter Parker, and his, and poor Peter's face just pops up on the screen, and you see Spider-Man, he's like, what the fuck, <laughs> oh. and, obviously they, and obviously they cut off before they could say fuck, because it's a Disney movie, but, um, I thought, oh my God, that was, like, it was hilarious, but at the same time, like, so daunting. Because if you think about it, I think that Peter Parker is really the only superhero out of the Avengers that had his identity concealed. I don't even think uh, Scott Lang had his identity sealed. I think everyone knew that he was Ant-Man. Yes, now that I'm thinking more of it. Yeah, house arrested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everyone knew that he was Ant-Man. I think that Peter Parker was the only one who that identity was still concealed. And not only now does everyone know that he's Peter Parker, um, now he's being framed for freaking murder, which I have to say before I pass it along to you, Brittany, um, when the hell did Mysterio have time to make that video? I'm just saying. I I was literally (laughs) just thinking that. I'm not joking. And I realized it's whenever he's telling, uh, he looks up and he's telling, he's like, oh, execute, you know, like execute the order. But but I think he turns away where you don't see Mysterio. So I think he turns, like, on his side whenever he's doing that and does Mm. that and just changes the voice. But uh, I was going to say, well, what's so funny is, let me start with the, the Jonah Jameson part. It's so funny because uh, 
when watching it, you know, Aaron was sitting there and he was like, oh, you know, I just love the original trilogy. You know, that's always going to be my Spider-Man, blah, 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 blah. And I, and I sat there and I was like, and I knew about the end credit scene. So whenever that popped up and like, it was like, you know, throw back to the original. I was like, yes, you son of a gun. Look at it. it it's doing the nod. It is now our Spider-Man. But, uh, I love that whole end credit scene, but it did very much stress me out because I felt like everything had been wrapped up. I put a bow on it, stick a fork in it, it's done. And then it's like, oh no, this is awful. Not only do you have, oh, here's the secret identity. He's a murderer, which then, that always stresses me out because how do you fix that? How do you fix that? It's always going to be like the trial of public opinion. And I was just like, I was very exhausted by it. I was just like, I'm ready to go home and curl up now. I'm I'm stressed <laughs> out. I'm worried about Peter Parker now. Well, so, and yeah. the, thing is, the thing is that there was um, certain talk that, you know, um, because Sony still technically owns the rights to Spider-Man. It's just that they have a deal with Disney to, and Marvel Studios so that Peter Parker can appear within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And there have been, like, talks, you know, just rumors and everything that with, uh, I think, Tom Holland's contract is kind of up, that maybe Sony might try to grab him back and put him in the Venom universe and end what's going on in the MCU. But to me, this shows that, no, that's not going to happen, like, Marvel and Sony must have come to some sort of agreement because I don't believe that Marvel would have left those loose ends with not being completely sure if Peter Parker was going to come back to the MCU. Or, I mean, Tom Holland. You know what I mean. So, to me, it's like... Yeah, they just can't give that kind of, like, cliffhanger. Yeah, so to me, it completely shows that we are getting another one, and I believe the director, John Watts, has said that he has plans for a third movie um, moving forward. So obviously I think that that's going to be touched upon when it happens. I have no idea what the plans are because Marvel still hasn't announced what their real future plans are, which will probably be announced at uh, San Diego Comic-Con because they do have a panel at Hall H this year. So I'm assuming that they're going to reveal all that shit there, but yeah, the way it ended, I was like, no, okay, you can't end the movie with everyone not only knowing his identity, but thinking that he's a murderer, and that's it. Like, oh, sorry, guys, that's the last that you're ever going to see of Tom Holland's <laughs> Spider-Man. Like, no, no. <laughs> I, I, and part of me wonders if, like, this starts the rise of, like, the anti-hero thing again, where they're like, oh, they're just too powerful to just, like, let them roam free. I don't know. I was just very stressed out by it because I was like, can't we just have a villain? Which which I get it. It's a great plot point, and I don't disagree with it. But my anxious self was like, can we just be happy? Can we just have a good moment for five seconds? We just lost Tony. Don't do well, this. Which, I was just saying, I just wish that... Do you like how, like... I I get it. Tony saved the world, right? He self-sacrificed. But nobody hardly pays attention to, like, uh, you know, 
Black Widow dying, like sacrificing herself. Like they kind of do a nod. And Captain America, it's like I get why Captain America did it. I'm glad he had his long life. But he's just like he just was like, see y'all later, bye. I'm gonna go have a great life now. You deal with your shit on your own. And he just peaced out, which I'm like, you deserve it. But I'm also like, oh god, why? Well, um, I could get into that, but Captain America certainly deserved it. And after a force like Thanos, I think he realized that it was his time. And also that the future is in great hands because you have superheroes like Spider-Man out there. Um, I did like that they put that little Black Widow nod at the beginning of the movie with that. (laughs) (laughs) I know that part got me cracking up, but I was going to say that's Peggy's ass now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, As far as I'm concerned, that's America's ass. I will say one more thing before I give you the number one spot, because there are some things I want to talk about after we talk about that, Um, that there's all these amazing memes where it's like, Steve, um, go to the store to pick up this. And he's like, oh, I'll just order it on Amazon Prime. And Peggy's like, what's Amazon Prime? He's like, fuck. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All these things. <laughs> I was going to say, I like the ones where, like, um, Peggy's like, oh, there's a, somebody asked me if I wanted to invest in Apple. And he's given that look with, like, that small grin with his knuckles pressed in his <laughs> mouth. Because he knows everything already. <laughs> yeah, there. Oh my god, there was another one that was like, um, I don't know, something about hydras. I don't know. It was hilarious. But we're getting off track now, which is my fault as well. But um, so, Brittany, before I give you the number one spot, I'm going to do the thing that I do in every show and do the countdown. Um, so this is obviously the top ten. Spider-Man Far From Home moments. At number 10, we had uh, Brad walking in on Peter. Nine was MJ and Peter's kiss. Eight was Happy fighting alongside with the kids. Seven was Peter trying to kill Brad. Number six was Happy and Peter having that heart-to-heart. Five was the Mysterio reveal. Four was Mysterio versus Spider-Man on the bridge. I'm still going to call it the hallway fight. Fight me on that, Juwan. But um, <laughs> uh, number three is Aunt May packing uh, Spider-Man's suit and Spider-Man's journey to Europe. Number two is the mid-credit scene. And Brittany, I think we all know what you're going to pick for number one, but tell me anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm imagining the big drum roll and the people listening just saying, like, that's it, that's it. You worked it up for that. Uh, I was going to say the reveal with uh, when Peter goes to tell Nick Fury where he thinks he is that Mysterio is actually a bad guy. And as you realize that Mysterio is there and he's giving all those illusions in the fight scene, Peter's so, like, disoriented and, you know, he's just, like, flopping everywhere. And then the scene we all know where Iron Man crawls out of his grave at Peter, which I would have, like, I'd be traumatized. I would need therapy after seeing, like, 
my dead father figure crawl out of a grave with, like, his skull showing through. And it was just good to show, like, how, even though it's just illusions, because you sit there and you're like, it's just illusions, you know, what's so, you know, powerful about that? Yeah, you have the drones beneath it, but it's just illusions. But it's just, like, the mind games, the fact that he can't see anything, you know, because he, like, I think that he, like, punch a cement wall and, like, yelp because he thought he was punching the stereo. And it's like, that whole scene was great, especially at the end, whenever he's like, oh, now who else did you tell? Like, Nick Fury is oh. like, okay, yeah, we took care of it. And he's like, oh, I just told uh, Ned and uh, MJ. And he's like, well, now I got to kill kids. And, yeah, and then it's like, it was him. It was always him. That scene made this movie a straight-up horror film. Because it was insane. Um, It had you wondering, like, what really was real. And as you said, it's all, like, illusions, right? Like, that's the thing about Mysterio. He doesn't have powers like Doctor Strange or Loki does. So that, but it didn't matter because those illusions were so powerful. And that whole scene was just absolutely, like, a mind trip. I mean, holy shit, you had as you said, Iron Man coming from the grave, um, which was so like, oh, how could you do that? That's so messed up. And uh, Mysterio has the line, and I'm ad-libbing right now, where he said, maybe if you were better, Tony'd still be alive. And I'm like, how dare you? How dare you say that to Peter so that he can hold that guilt on him even more? I mean, oh my God. And as you said, like, at the end, it's like when you think that it's all over, and that was even illusion. You know, who else, who else did you tell? Because you, like, that's the thing that something did seem a little off with Fury in that moment, and it's like because it was an illusion, and it was crazy. Um, yeah, oh, my God. I mean, I had heard from reviews that there was a crazy, like, illusion scene, but that, I wasn't expecting that. I mean, it really just dove in and a lot of people were praising this movie because at some point Mysterio was kind of a joke in the comics. I mean, look at him. He has a fishbowl on his head, right? But this really you just shut up. That's a sexy fishbowl. I can't even <laughs> say it with a straight face. <laughs> but like, this like really just shows like how messed up Mysterio was and how um, nothing really can be perceived as real because of how deep his, like, almost dedication to creating these illusions go. And if you think about how, like, messed up Mysterio was because he was doing all of this because he wanted to be the hero. You know, he wanted to be loved. He was like, I'm going to be shaking the president's hand at some point. Um, But, oh, God, it was – it reminded me, like, you know how – Loki just, like, really just kind of wanted, like, that uh, praise, and Mysterio wanted that, too, but Mysterio went, like, overboard. Mysterio went, like, crazy on that shit, and I never thought that we would get to a day saying that someone uh, overstepped more than Loki did. Um, 
Like, no one was more dramatic than Loki, and then Mysterio walked through the freaking door. Right? He's <laughs> like, hold my cape. <laughs> I am the most, I am the queen. <laughs> I am this stuff. Uh, no, I, you know, you do make a good point there with him. Because um, he, I always have to sit and think and go, what if an actual threat comes up? Like, yeah, you have bullets, but how are you actually going to do any of this stuff? You like, because you have to think there's got to be something else. So how else is he going to like, you know, beat them? And I guess you could think, well, hey, he nearly beat Spider-Man the way he was. He beat him the first time, but still like an actual true force like Thanos, he would have like not been able to do anything. Yeah. And that was my thing, like, I did bring up um, in the review show, and this is just kind of my ignorance from not really being a comic book reader, um, I really did wish that Mysterio had these kind of powers, but I understand that his powers really come from the fact that he's able to create such illusions to the point where they are almost real and they are almost um, dangerous, because when they were creating all of those um, illusions at the end of, like, the elementals, and even his team said, you know, there's going to be casualties, and Mysterio's like, oh, yeah, there's going to be a lot of casualties, and that's what this is all about. And I was like, holy shit. Like, so it does certainly cause problems. It's just a lot of it is very much smoke and mirrors. But poor Peter definitely got freaking hit by that train. Um, You're right. I was oh very, God. like, I, I agree with you. I was very disappointed that his powers weren't real. Like, I know, I get it, you know, and it all makes perfect sense. But I love it when they have powers. And I, I, I it's just like, I get it. I get it. But I really wanted it to be real. I really wanted him to have cool illusion powers. I did, too. But that, again, is just, I'm sure that there's some, you know, comic book reader out there listening going, oh, you poor ignorant souls here, but uh, all right, I, love all right. I love that scene. That scene was great. It was visually stunning. It was powerful. It was intense. Um, I held my breath during a lot of it. Then for them to keep up with it and make the and the scene after it with Nick Fury, that an illusion as well was great. And I will mention really quick that we run into that where Happy does come and get Peter, and Peter just looks like the most broken that we've ever seen him, because he is just not well, because he's not only defeated, but also dealing with the loss of Tony Stark and everything that he went through. It's like losing Tony Stark hit him more than the fact that he was dusted for about five years. <laughs> Never mind the fact that I disappeared and was, you know, killed, but, like, Tony died, and that's what's, like, you know, the thing that's the most heartbreaking. Well, that's what gets me is, like, um, I'm trying to think of the word for it. it it's uh, whenever Happy was, when he didn't even believe it was happy at first, like he couldn't go to him instantly because mm-hmm. he couldn't even like trust himself that he was real. Like it shattered his like perception mm-hmm. of reality for a hot second. And I think that was the whole point to also make Peter doubt himself because as you said, he, he I think he asked uh, happy to tell him something that only happy would know. And at the end of the movie, when Quentin died, 
Um, he even said, like, Edith, you know, is this real? And she's like, you know, no more illusions, you know. Um, I just loved it. It was really good. Um, yeah, just all of that was, whew, that was intense. Like, that, that shit was definitely, definitely intense. Um, but Brittany. A lot for a high that, schooler. Yeah. Brittany, I think that we all agree that that had to be the number one um, on this list. And we do have some time. And I actually have three things that I want to bring up for us to discuss uh, during the next 28 minutes that we have, if it's all right with yeah. you, of course. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm off of here. I hate you. I'm gone. <laughs> bye-bye. No, I'm joking. I'm good. I'm ready. Bitch, bye. No. <laughs> no, you're like, good riddance. I'll do it myself. I, I'm pulling a Thanos here. I guess I'll do it myself. <laughs> I know. But uh, so I'm going to go from, I guess, all right, so this is minuscule, right, before the two things that I really want to talk about. Did this movie not kind of change your perception of Flash a little, uh, the bully that, you know, always kind of <laughs> called the Peter Parker a dick and everything? But the fact that, and Juwan mentioned this during our review show, which I don't believe you were on, Brittany, but that everyone during, like, all the intense shit that was happening were calling their parents, texting their parents, and you see Flash trying to do so and not getting through to his parents. And then even at the end of the movie when they all get back from Europe and he goes and it's just the driver and he's like, oh, I guess uh mom and dad couldn't make it and the guy just kind of shakes his head and it's like you know everything that was going on in Europe and your kids are overseas you obviously know that that's happening because it's all over the news obviously everyone would be there to pick up their kids and you're not so it definitely showed that and Juwan mentioned this you know when kids are bullies like that a lot of shit stems from home and we obviously see that this is happening and is stemming from home, which is why he feels the need to constantly post online because he needs to get some sort of attention because he's not getting it from the two people that he should be getting it from, and that's his parents. So did you feel like this movie kind of changed your perception a little of that character? I thought it was – it actually was sad. I'm glad you brought that up because it was very, like, for one – it's like whenever Peter first puts on the glasses and uh, you can see everybody's text, I saw one that was like, uh, you know, mother, I haven't heard from father or something like that. Like it was something yeah. like that he hadn't heard from one of them or like, it was, I can't remember exactly what it was. And I didn't realize it was him. He was texting mm-hmm. his mom about something with his dad, which brought to another point of he takes a very proper tone when it comes to his family. And because even the driver, he goes, uh, he goes, oh, is mother not coming? Or like, was mother busy? And I was like, but then the rest of the time he's like, you know, he's a little thug. He's like wanting to do the live stream. And he's like, yo, what's up? It's so-and-so, you know? And I was just like, what what and it was sad because it was like he didn't have anyone he obviously really liked spider-man had a lot of respect for him but he was just a little douchebag 
Well, I like that when he's like, I think Spider-Man's just a cool guy, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, maybe there's even that part of him that wishes that, you know, he could kind of save the day and all of that. So, yeah, I just have to throw that out there really quick because it really, at the end of that scene, really struck me um, because I just thought that was sad. (laughs) I was like, all these parents are obviously there picking up their kids because they almost died in Europe and you couldn't go and pick up your own child. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I just felt I was sad, and that 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 hurt me. But so the one of the two things that I really wanted to discuss with you is Marvel has this tendency to kill off their villains every movie, um, which oh, is why no. which is why everyone kind of first of all Loki is amazing. Tom Hiddleston as Loki is amazing. You know, I'm like the number one freaking Loki fan out there, but it's why everyone essentially compares every villain to Loki because none of the other villains freaking last. It's him and Thanos, you know, Loki and Thanos are, were the long lasting ones. Um, you had Killmonger and Black Panther, and then they even killed him off at the end. So when we had all these promos for Mysterio, I thought, this could be someone who could really take up after Loki in the MCU because I think pretty much Tom Hiddleston is done as far as the movies go. Obviously, he has his show that's going to be coming out on Disney+, Plus, but I think that they're trying to get away from that so that they can usher in a new phase. So what did you think, you know, how do you feel about the fact that Quentin Beck is dead? Um, obviously his legacy is going to essentially live on because of that video that he sent out, but he's dead. So A, how did you feel about that? And B, do you think that they can bring him back? I mean, this is the MCU. It's just like Marvel has such an, it has like a villain longevity issue. It's like, for me, I love Marvel and DC, but I always feel like, Normally, DC has better villains, and I feel like Marvel has their better heroes. I know it sounds weird, but it's like you think back to DC, and you go, oh, we had Joker, we had Bane, you know, we had X, Y, and Z, and, you know, and they're ones that we go, man, that was a bad dude, you know, Raj al Ghul, you know, and I know it's all going just back to Batman because I don't care for the recent stuff, you know, but what gets me about that is even though those people only lasted one movie each, you look back at Marvel and they just like, they just throw characters at people. They just throw villains like, Oh, well, we just got to pop someone in to just like cause mayhem, but they have no development. They're just like, Oh, they're bad. This is X, Y, and Z reason they're bad. So everybody focuses back on Loki because he had character development. He had a reason you could, uh, sympathize with him instead of like Darren Cross who is just like you know yeah the experiments messed with his head but you didn't get to learn a lot about him and it's like Quentin Beck it's like oh he's pissed off at Tony you know what I mean even though he was a great villain none of them have any lasting where you're just like oh you know what I mean it's very like they just kind of toss at people, and you're just like, oh, yeah, here's a villain. But you don't get attached to them. You don't feel like, oh, man, that was a great villain. Because Quentin Beck, like, I really like Mysterio, but all I'm going to remember mostly of him is, hey, he exposed Peter Parker's identity. 
and that's it. I'm not just like, oh, you know, he did X, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? It's like I'll remember the bar scene, but I won't remember him as well as like, you know, we still talk about Thane. We still talk about Joker. And it's like Loki. But when I think of Marvel villains, all I think of is Loki and Thanos. Like, when I'm just like, oh, yeah, they're, they're the best. The other ones, you think back, and I'm like, I'm like, who is the villain in Iron Man two? Who is the villain in Iron Man three? Even Iron Man one, which I love those movies. They just like they're villains. I don't remember their names. And it's yeah. like, uh, it's like Red Skull. You know, even though he's one of big uh, Captain America's biggest villains, he popped in for five seconds at the end of the movie, and then it shows up in Infinity War, and you're just like, oh. Like, they're just, they're so, they don't build up to anything with it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I I, so, I, I don't know the words I'm exactly trying to find. It's just that they're very, like, lackluster. It's like the villains, they work so much of putting everything into the heroes that they just kind of, like, they get, like, 10% with the villains. Well, and I think that sometimes Marvel knows that they messed up on this because, like, in Captain Marvel, right? They didn't need to bring Ronan back, but I think they realized that he was a good villain and needed no. to be back, and they decided to do that. Same thing with maybe Red Skull, but um, and Darren Cross. You know, I really like Darren Cross. They yeah, definitely could have. They definitely could have brought him back for the second one. You know, they shoot themselves in the foot by killing their villains off in the in the first movie. It's like Mysterio. I think definitely is one of the best villains in the MCU, completely unhinged, completely psychotic and willing to like do shit and like is able to kind of bring superheroes like Spider-Man down to their knees. But as you said, he still falls within that category of having iffy motives because Loki had the motives from day one, right? He felt uh, unappreciated in his life. He felt that something was always being, you know, torn away from him, always felt, you know, in Thor's shadow, and it was built upon. And they just, like, haven't been able to replica that very much. Like, okay, Vulture, right? AJ mentioned Vulture earlier in the show. I agree. Great villain. They definitely Vulture. Yeah, and they completely did give us good reasons. But then they don't bring them back. They they completely set up for that, and then they don't bring him back at all. To me, I'm just like, you have this great villain that you, you know, really built up upon. You gave us a great motive as to why he is how he is, um, and even gave him that moment where he respected Peter Parker, um, and then even had that moment where he's in the prison and decides to not conceal, you know, decides to conceal Peter Parker's identity. I'm really yeah. hoping that I'm really hoping that in the third Spider-Man movie they bring him back and we see the outcome of all of that because Michael uh, Keaton is way too good of an actor for you to sleep on in the MCU. And that's another thing. I'll be done with this rant in just two seconds. They do get really good actors for these roles, and then it's like you then decide not to bring them back. I mean. Again, with Killmonger, Michael B. Jordan is a fantastic actor, and you're only going to have him once. I'm sure he would come back if you asked him to, you know? 
and I'm sure that Michael Keaton would come back if you asked him to. So um, I did, Juwan did point out that Jake Gyllenhaal is kind of a one-movie type of guy, so it could have just been that, that maybe they weren't sure that he would come back or maybe Jake Gyllenhaal made it apparent that he just kind of wanted to do one. Um, but if it comes to the point where Jake Gyllenhaal wants to come back, I really hope they find some way to bring Mysterio back. Say it was all an illusion. I know, but the only thing is that you have him looking at it and was like, is this an illusion? She's like, no, and I think that was them trying to cut it off, like nip it in the bud. They're like, I, he ain't coming back. He gone. Well, and that's what the MCU does because in Infinity War, when Thanos, and rest in peace Loki, but when Thanos kills Loki and he goes, no more coming back for you. Um, oh, no more resurrections. Was, yeah, no more resurrections. I think that was definitely Marvel telling us, this is it. I know that we tricked you all those other times before, but this is really it, which I'm like, I still don't believe you. <laughs> um, and, Loki is a possum. He's playing dead all the time. <laughs> I mean, we saw him in Endgame, and even though that isn't the same Loki technically, it's still a Loki that has the Tesseract and is causing mayhem, which I think, this is my theory, definitely setting up for the Loki uh, solo series on Disney+, Plus, which you know that I will be paying for so that I can watch the Loki series, the Falcon and Winter Soldier series. Um, they just got a lot going on that they're doing on Disney Plus, and I'm definitely going to be buying that. But as we hit the 15-minute mark, we got to talk about the other thing that I wanted to bring up. So, Brittany, what do yeah. you think about – this is a two-sided question. What do you think about the fact that it was revealed in the end credit scene that Nick Fury and Maria were scrolls? Um, you know, during the whole movie. And the second part is, do you think now that is setting up for a future storyline? Well, okay. I have something to admit real quick. Hmm. I accidentally missed that end credit with, like, the oh. reveal. Oh, I know. I know. And I know it happens, but I didn't get to see it because I thought, oh, we're done, and everybody else was leaving. And I was like, oh, there's end credit. I had forgot you saying that, and I did not Brittany, stay. You all, you always stay to the end of the credits. I that know. Marvel. It was only Endgame that was a an exception. But besides that, you always stay. I know, but I do love it because you do know that I love, uh, what's his name? Even though I'm like, I love him. I forgot his name, which is a common theme with, I love him. And I'm sure that was his wife, but do you feel like Nick Fury was so mean in that, that like, you're like, okay, Nick Fury's always bad, but he was exceptionally harsh. I feel like yeah. he was trying just very, very hard to be Nick Fury, where it's like, that's his opinion of what Nick Fury is, like, just the hard-ass, mean, like, no holds for which he can be, but, you know, he does have a little more give, but he yeah. was, like, savage, he was given the whole Nick Fury, uh, treatment. Or, like, you know, when they bring up Captain Marvel, and he's like, don't you, uh, what did he say, don't bring that name don't up to me or something? Don't you invoke that name. 
Yes, but I loved it, and I was just like, it's even funnier, like going through the movie, going, "Yep, that that's him, that's him." Well, and the thing is that, so I'll give you a quick uh, rundown of the scene. You can actually find it on YouTube because uh, everything ends up on YouTube. Yeah. But it's Nick Fury and Maria Hill in the car, and then slowly they start shifting into the scrolls, Talos and his wife. And the wife is pretty much like, you know, you have to call him, right? And he's like, you know, like pretty much like, you, you done fucked up. You, you did all this shit, and you didn't know, and we didn't know that this guy Mysterio was a bad guy. And then you see that Nick Fury was on, like, a pseudo-vacation. But even that was a, um, I don't want to say an illusion, but it was a, uh, oh, God, what is it called? Oh, shit. Um, anyway, he's in a room that pretty much looks like a beach and everything, but then he gets up, and it kind of, like, fades away, Nick Fury, right? So it was like a... Yeah. This is simulation. And then he this massive, like, room and shit, and it's all these scrolls everywhere. So clearly Nick has been working with the scrolls since the 90s, and apparently no one freaking knows about this, that, like, he's just had, like, all these scrolls at his disposal. So my whole thing is, like, you know, is this setting up for a future storyline? Like, I can't imagine that they're just going to, because the scrolls are villains, even though obviously these the group of scrolls are the good ones, which it has been established that you know there's good humans and bad humans. So obviously these are the good scrolls, but I'm people are wondering, is this opening up to a secret invasion storyline where you'll find out that other heroes are scrolls, but these are bad scrolls? Well, you know that as soon as you said that. Uh, who did Loki almost kill in Avengers? Um, it was Agent Coulson? Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My brain instantly went, okay, he was real and everything, but what if he did die? He just got replaced with a scroll like that took on his position to kind of carry on for him. I was like, I was just sitting there. I was like, what if he's actually in school? Because you have him in his own TV show. And so it's like anyone that you're like, well, who who was the scroll? Who was this? Who was that? You know, has Nick Fury, is that how Nick Fury always seems to be everywhere at the same time? He just it's has like, scrolls at his disposal. Yeah. My whole thing is that I think that it was Nick Fury that we've seen, right? But then after the events of Avengers Endgame, he was like, I need to take a freaking break. But obviously this other shit's going on in Europe, the Spider-Man, uh, Talos, go be, you know, take my place, pretty much. I like with one huge threat where it's like the biggest, like, bad, bad thing to happen since Thanos where they're like, oh, yeah, this thing doesn't get destroyed. You know, the whole world gets destroyed. And Nick Fury's like, you know what? I'm choosing this time to take my vacation. (laughs) Goodbye. He's pretty much like, all right, like, all this crazy shit happened, and now another crazy thing's going to happen. I'm too old for this shit. Right, right. He's just like, I'm tired of all these mother effing villains in this mother effing earth. 
Which actually makes the line, by the way, when Talos goes, Bish, you've been to space, the Spider-Man, like, kind of all the funnier. Because, as you said, Talos was just trying to be, like, his version of Nick Fury. Like, oh, yeah, this is what Nick Fury does. He curses and and bishes people out. So, you know, that's how I'm going to be. I was going to say really quick, I, I, I don't know if you caught this. And I don't know why it's so funny to me, and I keep thinking about it, when Peter accidentally gets hurt between the legs and he called it his love shooter. Oh and he just, God. like, had me dying. Cause I was like, did he just call it his love shooter? I mean, that's kind of, like, like almost raunchy for him. I was like, he called it his love shooter. Oh, my God. Peter Parker is just... Oh, never change, Peter. Never Tom change. Tom Holland is Peter Parker. Oh my God, it's it's perfect. He's the absolute perfect Peter Parker. Um, I guess I have one other question for you, Brittany, before we wrap everything up. And so I proposed this during our review show, and Juwan did not like my suggestion, but I'm going to ask you for yours. Be honest now. Um, oh no. <laughs> So we obviously got the um, Easter egg of J.K. Simmons reprising his role as uh, J. Jonah Jameson. If we wanted to ever visit an Uncle Ben story, right? Like, you know, I know he's, you know, dead in the MCU. They've already established that. But if they wanted to do, like, a flashback or something like that, whatever, if they wanted to do some sort of shit, do you think that Tobey Maguire should play the character? Because I feel like he'd be at the right age oh for the type God, of anime. Yeah. <laughs> right? I got way overly excited. No, because all I was thinking was, it's like, on one hand, who's to say there ever was an Uncle Ben, by the way? Because you think about it, they never allude to that she's been married, right? Right. And it's like, I don't know if Uncle Ben exists yet or was even a thing yet because she's still young. She never acts like, oh, I miss him. And she never, like, makes any mention. There's no pictures. You have nothing to, like, say. So that's sort of my one thing. But if, say, there was someone, I would love it if it was Toby McGuire. Well, I will say that, and it's been a while since I've watched um – say, Civil War or Homecoming, I do think that they do mention him. I do think that um, Peter says, like, oh, you've been so lonely since, you know, Uncle Ben, and then someone did... I think you are right. And then someone did allude that in Civil War when Peter is telling Tony, like, you know, when you have these powers, but bad things happen and you can't prevent them, I think that he was speaking about Uncle Ben, because if we remember the story, you know... So, you know, with great power comes great responsibility, and then poor Uncle Ben dies at that moment. So I think that they do allude to it, but I'm just saying that if they had a flashback or if they had a scroll pop up, who knows, something, I would like Tobey Maguire to play that role just because I think that it would be a hilarious nod. And there was a interview a few months ago where they asked Tobey Maguire if he would ever consider coming back to the superhero realm, and he said that if it was offered to him, he'd see what it was, and he would consider it. So he's not opposed 
to coming back to the comic book world. Just saying. That reminds me of Pablo Schreibner saying that uh, in his uh, Q&A, where he was like, you know, they asked me about Marvel roles, but you know, none of them worked out. And I was like, we could have had Pablo. We could have had Pablo. I am still saying that if they want to bring in Craven, um, that he would be the perfect guy for that role. Just saying. Um, I no longer really see him as Wolverine. Um, if he was Wolverine, obviously no one would freaking complain, least of all freaking me. But yeah. um, but I think that the role um, as Craven would be perfect for Pablo Schreiber. So, and this is going to be really quick. Um, the guy who plays Billy in Stranger Things, someone did a mock-up of him as Wolverine. And I can see it, and I want it right now. But oh, I want it. <laughs> I, I could already see it in my brain, in my brain palace, mind palace. But it was mind palace. There we go. That just reminds me of Sherlock, which is hilarious because um, we're definitely getting a Doctor Strange too. So there you go. See, we always segue into something. But um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it is uh, late and I'm tired. But it has always been fun uh, speaking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Spider-Man Far From Home, Mysterio, Tom Holland, Jake Gyllenhaal. I could talk about it forever. But, Brittany, I'm really happy that you decided to hop on and that you had a long day as well. So please tell the listeners where we can find you and what you got next on the horizon. As I say, always, you can find me at a Twitter or Instagram, and it's always just Brittany underscore Hegel, and hopefully to do more podcasts and see what I can do to get out there. But, you know, going back to school, you know how that gets busy. But, oh, no, it'll be fun. Y'all can listen to me talk to you ears off about the most mundane of things. <laughs> it's never a problem. And as you can see, the boys uh went out uh, within the first hour, and it was just this girl. So you know how it is. So we got to keep this going. But um, uh, obviously, you can find me at geekvibesnation.com, where I am a contributor there. You can find all of my articles. You can find my article where I said that uh, Pablo Schreiber should be Craven, because I was pretty happy about that article. Uh, and also, <laughs> And also articles about movies that Jake Gyllenhaal was in that you should obviously check out. Oh, and I have to throw this out there. I just watched Point Blank that just came out on Netflix. Frank Grillo and Anthony Mackie star in it. So pretty much a movie where Falcon, a.k.a. now our Captain America, and Crossbones team up, and they're not trying to kill each other. Well, um, debatable, but not as much. So you can find out my review there. And obviously on Instagram and Twitter, Sia uh, Fabi, that's F-A-B-I, just to check out everything. And again, please make sure that you check out deepvibesnation.com. We do the top 10 every weekend, mostly Sundays, sometimes Saturdays. And tomorrow we'll be doing Geek Vibes Live, so make sure you check that out as well. Brittany, thank you again for being there. Uh, I guess when no one else will. No, I'm joking. Uh, but Thank you for being here today on the top 10 and everyone I'll see you later. Thank you and good night. <laughs>